Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome to Midpoint. I have double joy for you today. Two great British broadcasters, two of the most formidable podcasters on the block as well with their award-winning Fortunately, which is running close to 200 episodes. They are BBC stalwarts. Jane has just recently given up hosting Women's Hour and Fee had her midlife career gear change a little bit earlier in her late 30s. They talk about that. They talk about the changing role of women in broadcasting. They talk about physical manifestations of getting old and also make really important points about the fact that this generation of midlifers probably will be reluctant to ever call themselves old. Perhaps we're going to carry on being midlifers forever. Um, strangely, I was feeling a little bit under the weather last week after broadcasting outside for three days. And so I topped up my Solgar zinc lozenges and vitamin C and I am feeling back to full health and tip top. So thank you to Solgar for sponsoring this episode. And Nicola Moore comes on to talk nutrition with us. She's absolutely brilliant. And I almost want to clip out her section and listen back to it a couple of times because it is so loaded with information. Anyway, plenty for you to get stuck into. Enjoy. Fee and Jane, it's uh, it's so lovely to see you and to hear your your wonderful dulcet tones. And I'm so excited. I can't believe I've managed somehow to persuade you both to give up a bit of time to chat to me because you you are the custodians of very successful, fortunately, and incredibly successful podcasts. You're kind of like the grand dams of podcasting because you've been doing this long before uh, us newbies kind of jumped in. She's saying that we're very old, isn't she, Jane? (laughs) In a really nice way, but that is what she's saying. Yes, Queen Victoria was on the throne when we did our first podcast. Um, It was marvellous. How many episodes have you done? Oh, God, I don't want to... uh, How many is it, Uh, I think we're, no, we're on about 179, I think, oh, which Lord. which okay. catches us by surprise, Gabby. So when, you know, when you say that we've been doing it a long time, I think, uh, I mean, I very, very rarely speak for Jane because it's an unwise thing to try and do, <laughs> but, uh, but she may agree with me on this. It doesn't seem like that long at all because as anyone who's listened to our podcast will know there's no content in our podcast it's just you know it's not <laughs> I was trying to explain this to my husband yesterday he said who are you doing tomorrow and I said you know it's you two and I said their podcast is incredibly and he said what's it about and I, I don't went, know um... <laughs> stuff I, I can't believe he doesn't listen what's wrong with the man he'd learn a thing or he's two just, he's just diving into it at the moment actually I'll tell him to listen to a couple of episodes because he, every day when he goes out his walk goes what should I listen to today I think it is podcasts are it's a whole world, isn't it? That once you dive into it and you start kind of moving around into those kind of little warrens and holes everywhere, there's, there is something for everyone, isn't there? Mm, yeah. I mean, some of them are so niche, it's beyond belief. <laughs> um, and I don't think, I mean, quite what niche we fill, we've never, well, as Fee was alluding to, we're not really sure, but we're, we're very glad to be in that niche, filling it, whatever the bloody hell it is. Mm. Um, I think if we were going to be really serious or even a bit serious... <sighs> There was a lot of bantery lads podcasts, and there still are. And we we are at the other end of that, um, aren't we? We are. I don't think we're quite the oldest podcasters in town, but not probably <laughs> probably not far. But off. very much like this podcast. Um, the but you know before this, I can't really think of very many audio places that I could head to to find people who were talking about exactly what I was talking about outside of work. You know there are, thank goodness loads of women presenting programmes like you do about sport or politics or news or science, you know. Uh, We've redressed the balance in lots of those areas. But actually the way that women talk when they're outside of work wasn't being heard, I don't think, on air anyway. You know, we, we weren't encouraged to reveal vulnerabilities, insecurities, funny things, general leakage on every kind of level. You know, we've we've had to hide that in the professional world. So... I suppose what the feedback that we get from our lovely, lovely listeners, most of whom are female, uh, is that they just think of us as being like their friends. So that, you know, that's that's our only kind of 
uh, area of niche, really, isn't it? Yeah, of course. Um, you don't always like your friends either, do you? I mean, you, you love them, you. but you think, oh, you know, we're, yeah, exactly. We're, there's, in a, there's, yeah. we're in a paid well, friendship, that for a start. Gabby. <laughs> we're in a quite lucrative. Pe- no, when was the last time? When was the last time you saw each other? Oh, oh so uh, long just ago. Trying... It was a while ago now. Uh, it's a while since I've seen anyone, Gabby. To be honest with you, but um, I've got a I've got a plumber coming later, and I'm actually actively looking <laughs> forward to it. And there's absolutely no plumbing need in her house. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, well, we're all getting to that stage, aren't we? Um, when was it? Actually? I think That's it was really way question. back was in March. October? No, we didn't. I don't think we regrouped do you not, after... Are you not close enough to go for a walk? Can you go for a walk? No. Well, we can't because if he's in East London, I'm in West we're London. We're miles away yeah. from each other, yeah. Plus, as she says, we don't like each other, so why <laughs> yes. would you... Why would so, you I mean, unless we're actually on the clock, there'd be no yeah. point, the, Gabby. The meter's running. I, I was so keen... <laughs> To talk to you, not because I, I knew that I could just sit here. It's almost like I could sit here on stage listening to two people chatting and I could not actually take part at all if I wanted to, I think. I could just sit back and let you two chat. But I am supposed to be asking Yes, yeah, sorry. So we'll so shut up. Sorry. I will, I will <laughs> try and she all knows in. But I wanted to speak to you because you're both really candid and honest and open about the stage of life that you're in and the, the things that come in middle age. And um, I wonder whether you two feel that the previous, the prior generation, if you like, of, of broadcasters to you even, would have dared to venture near those conversations. You know, you come from very traditional BBC backgrounds. You've done iconic shows on the BBC. Can you imagine kind of people in their 60s and 70s, female broadcasters, having the kind of conversations that you guys have? Mm, that's a good question. Uh, what do you think, Fee? I, I think the generation above us was so rare and fought so hard for their success, they probably were more wary about giving that sort of stuff away. And I also think, I've slightly criticised that generation before, so I may as well do it again. I, I I think they were so anxious to protect what they'd won for themselves that perhaps they weren't always as helpful as they might have been to younger women coming up. Um, whereas I think our generation actually deserves credit. I, I'm, I should say, because feel say it, I'm older than her, five years, I'm five years older than you. Four years old. About me. four years, yeah. Yes. Um, I, 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 we have tried to help. We have tried to help young women because I do think it's really important that there are more women saying stuff that's relevant to their age group, mm. um, whether it's on radio, in podcasts or on the telly. And um, also as a kind of continuum of that thought, I think the generation above us just had to, uh, in, in a way, ape male behaviour in order to get on mm. in broadcasting. So you had to be incredibly assertive, borderline aggressive sometimes, definitely very in control of your broadcasting. You know, that's what got you places. And I think it would have been incredibly difficult to display other aspects of your character if, you know, if if that's just being more vulnerable or being more honest or uh, being perhaps, dare I say it, more feminine. Um you know, I don't think that the would have you would have had the confidence to do that, and quite understandably so. So it's kind of a marker of our times that Jane and I have done that kind of very professional broadcasting, where you sit up very straight and you have a different kind of intonation, and nobody gets away with anything. And yet, we've also been given the opportunity to do the much more kind of let it all hang out stuff. So it's, I think that's quite a good marker in the sand, really. Mm. I hope so. Anyway, it is, and it. At- Sorry, go on. Please. Well, I hope it is because I think then it just encourages, then it allows all kinds of women to get on air. You know, if we're not having to follow just one very set path, dress in a particular way on TV, have a particular hairstyle, you know, all of those things that are very conforming. You know, I think mm. if we can just let go of all of that, we will have a, a different type of talent coming through, which would be a great thing as well, really great thing. I, I've been delighted, actually, how many women in the media broadcasting world have agreed to come on this podcast without hesitation. And I wonder whether 10 years ago they would have been almost, you know, kind of embarrassed about admitting that they were in this period of their life. And they certainly wouldn't want to talk about their age, you know, and it because, you know, the 45 to 55, whether it's 40 to 58, whatever the, you know, the middle age kind of period is, um, is has previously been seen as beige. It's, you know, it's, it's kind of boring. It's dull. But it's also for women that period that, you know, they, they feel irrelevant for whatever reason. And um, and physiologically, everything's changing. And actually for very high profile women to talk about it I've been delighted at the kind of women who said yes and and want to be very open and candid and that's such a good thing isn't it 
um, because uh, we need to change that timeline, don't we? Where you think, uh, I've hit the menopause. I'm finished. I'm finished. <laughs> you know, everything's kind of going, everything's drying up. I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm not for the workplace anymore. It just shouldn't be like that. It and, and it can't. Yeah, and it's not just our industry, obviously. It's, you know, it, we well, are imagine, obviously able to talk because we have yeah, platforms. Imagine if you're in a manual job, you know, and you are viewed suddenly as being a weaker version of yourself when you hit 50, but you've still got to work for another 17 years. So it's really important to to be more honest and talk about it more, I think. Did you ever worry, Jane? Did you ever kind of, was there a period in your kind of early 40s where you you thought, gosh, I, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be in this industry. I'm looking ahead and at people, you know, kind of above me and I, I can't see many faces. I can't see many women doing the jobs I want well, to do. That's interesting because when I was, I, I started presenting Women's, Women's Hour when I was 44. Um, and uh, and I had, like Fee, I had my children relatively late. So I was 35 and 38 and a half when I had my, my kids. Um, and of course, I think that does actually play a part in keeping you, well, I was going to say not young, but keeping you in touch, certainly mm-hmm. with that with that aspect of those aspects of life. Um, and of course, Jenny Murray was was presenting Woman's Hour at the same time as me, and she only stopped presenting it earlier. Was it last year? No, it was in. Well, time is just torturing. Yeah, she was. She was last. She, she, last year, wasn't yeah, she? she. No, I left in December, and she left. I think in April or something. Right. Like that. I can't remember. But there is, there is no timeline for twenty twenty. No, no, there really isn't. And and she was seventy. <laughs> So uh, when she yeah, retired, right. so actually in radio, it's not, and, and of course they, there isn't as much, there just isn't as much mm. pressure. And actually, I don't know whether Fee remembers, we had, I think it was an email to Fortunately this week from a listener who was talking about her mum making the observation that we will only reach true equality when we have a TV newsreader, female, who looks a bit like Hugh Edwards. Um, I don't think she referenced Hugh Edwards, but that's what she meant. So, you know, an, an elderly... Well, it's interesting, in the US, they have a lot of yes, older they do. female anchors, don't they? Uh, they do. And I've seen them and I think there's some of them are so... I mean, they are really... Some of them are in their 70s, aren't they? Phenomenal yeah. and experienced and knowledgeable and totally on it. Uh, we haven't we haven't got there yet in this country. The other um, thing, I've heard you talking about this, actually. I can't remember which particular episode it was. You talked about the, the reverse of the, the dual kind of presenting scenario where it, it's always the man is the older one, older the woman's one, the yeah. younger one, breakfast yeah. telly, wherever you kind of look. To have that kind of reversed where you have the uh, the woman in her 50s and the bloke in his mid-30s. Or younger, yeah. or um, younger, because actually in, or younger, in yeah. response to that conversation, quite a few people uh, wrote in and said, well, look at Louise Mint and Dan Walker but there's not 30 years between no between there's them. only a couple there's of years there's only a couple of them, years so yeah. you kind of think no the point we're making is just that completely generational gap mm-hmm. yeah. that, that it yeah. would be healthy to see and I I mean it, there's no way of saying this without it sounding salacious and maybe that's another thing we need to tackle well, too go on, say well it, I then. would absolutely love to be in my 70s on a sofa with a man in his 20s I think <laughs> Uh, No, but to be serious, wouldn't that be wouldn't that be a great thing uh, if uh, much older women were allowed to uh, to have that kind of uh, on air relationship without anybody feeling that they need to make a joke or a snigger? But isn't the isn't if we really Mm. drill down into this, isn't the inference that? I don't know. It's like the kind of the woman is the young, fertile, nubile woman, the older man. And it's this kind of, you know, that. but that's that's kind of the visual um, story that's going on there, isn't it? When you see those, that dynamic. Totally. And it's kind of. And, and it's been a very pleasing image, you know, for a very, very long yeah, time. And the reverse of that is she's never going to get pregnant by him, is she? You know, <laughs> she's never going to spawn his kids. That's never going to be, that's not going to happen. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm obviously doing, doing this from a very Freudian kind of, you, you know, certainly position. Are, maybe. <laughs> I think what I'd like to see genuinely is I'd like to see a grey haired or a greying lady, woman reading the news on telly. And then mm. I want the rest of us, womankind, to support that woman. Because we all know that sometimes women are the worst possible enemies of, of other. They behave. We don't behave right. We judge other women, and um, I I dye my hair, and frankly, I'm going to 
pay my teenager to do my roots over the weekend. Um, you have to pay. You have to pay your teenager to I, do that. I certainly do. Oh, God. I mean, anything anything to keep her on side at the moment. She's, she's locked in the house with me, for God's sake. Um, I don't think it's every 17-year-old's idea of a dream, actually. Um, maybe I'm wrong. Um, and, and I wish I could stop dyeing my hair, but I can't. Now, I don't know why I want to dye it, really. Um, Fee and I have talked about this quite a bit, but I really would love to see a woman on telly who just says, no, this is me. I'm 56. My hair is graying. Let it happen. Um, but you don't. Ha- I mean, you don't have to be to have great. If you've got grey hair in your late fifties on telly, that doesn't mean you're necessarily any better at the job, though, does it? Or any more serious? If no, you died just, it at fifty-seven, but, fifty-eight. So. But Hugh Edwards is is silver, a silver fox. Why? Mm. And no, I don't think anybody is at. Well, I could be wrong. Maybe someone at the BBC has sidled up to him and said, "Look, you know, have you thought about going plum?" <laughs> Come on, I don't please. think so. <laughs> Men seem to get much more credit for going natural, don't they? When a man has been dying his yes, hair for a while and then yeah. suddenly stops dying it, everybody goes, oh, you look so good. I yeah. think it goes back to the fertility thing again, though, doesn't it? You know, it's that whole kind of lusciousness. Oh, you're luscious, you're bountiful. Feckled. You're full of eggs, look at you. You've got... You've, you've full got, of eggs. <laughs> and it's that whole kind of juiciness thing, isn't it? And if, you, if you're if you a greying woman, then, you know, the perception is that you're... And Catelyn Moran was on the first series of this and, you know, she talked about the hags, how she's looking forward to having this kind of coven of hags, these women that, you know, kind of they're all in their late 40s and they're looking forward to a time when they go off and live in a, a commune in Wales and just hag together. And um, and and let their hair go grey. Um, is it that symbolic? Do you think grey yeah. hair? Yeah, yeah. I think it, I think it's very symbolic, massively so. And you know, Jane and I speak as two women who I think probably every three weeks, are making sure that we avoid going grey. And I've had a conversation <laughs> with myself about it a lot. You know, what? Why am I doing it? Would it really make that much difference to my life? It'd certainly be an awful lot easier and I'm sure healthier uh, if I just went grey. I mean, I'd be oh, very grey. Mr. Trick, you know, I should have had a trichologist. I've got a trichologist coming on episode soon. I should have had a trichologist. Oh, on yeah, episode. no, not to worry. We'll listen to that one anyway. Sorry about but, that. Do, can, Sorry about can I turn this back on you? Because in, in a way it's more relevant to you because you are on television. So do you feel under pressure to stay looking young in order to be in the game not for telly not for telly I kind of want to feel it's it all comes from me it's all about fitness and health Mm. so I kind of I want to feel dynamic and active and physically fit so that I can do anything I want to do and the byproduct of that is I think I look better because of it because I feel do you know what I mean my skin feels Mm. better and everything some of the stuff that's happening to me because of my age I'm not a big fan of you know um so um the metabolism slowing down massively you know you see if you'd only the, been the, as unfit as us then you'd just not notice wouldn't have been a problem I've got no sympathy at all but I don't really I don't think I'd suit some people really suit grey hair don't they and I don't think I'd really suit it and luckily because I'm blonde I haven't got loads of it coming through yet I might change my mind on that one but that I'm not thinking about too much I think it's just that the re- recent the lockdowns and everything have made us all think we have we've had to do some real reconsidering um, um, about ha- our, our, our grooming. Yeah, our grooming. I mean, I, I had just got into uh, gel manicures in a massive way. I'd stopped biting my nails with the help of a brilliant nail technician in Chiswick who had revolutionised my life. And then, the uh, you know, all this simple avenue of pleasure has been closed to me now. And I, I really miss that. Do you miss, do you miss Woman's Hour, Jane? Um... No, not really. No, and that's I miss the people enormously, but I think I'd done it too long. So, I mean, I think change change is an interesting subject, particularly if you are like me, as resistant. I mean, I'm so resistant to change. Um, I can't stand it. I'm very fearful of it, and so I. I think Fee and I probably, I don't know how many conversations I'd had with her over the years. I really must stop doing Woman's Hour. And she'd go, yeah, stop it. Oh, shut up. Um, and um, she wasn't the only friend who was constantly telling me that they'd heard enough about how I was going to stop doing Woman's Hour. So in the end, I finally did to everybody's relief. And it's, it's a very, massive very decision hard. to make. It's a huge decision to make yeah. uh, to leave something as iconic as that. Because... Well, I mean, frankly, it was a big decision to make financially. But um, yes. Yeah, you know, it's, um, it's not the easiest time for anybody to make a change. But now I've I've done it. So if anyone listening is pondering a sort of career change or a life mm. change, it's not I'm just here to tell you it's not as bad as you think it's going to be. It's it's sad, but then it gets better so quickly. When you say career change, you're not you're not leaving broadcasting though, are you? 
No, no, I'm not. But no, but I suppose like, Fee and I are writing a book together and we're doing, so we're pursuing other other ways. I mean, no one has to be on the radio, do they? I used to think <laughs> I, I used to think I had to be, but I've discovered. <laughs> because um, we all need a purpose, don't we? And a midlife is where we start evaluating our purpose. Yes. Yes, I think, well, absolutely. Um, and I have, the thing about radio and telly is, I don't think telly is quite the same, but radio is so, is fee is ephemeral the right word? Yes. Is it, what is it? And like sometimes that's the joy of it, isn't it? Because uh, yeah. there's nothing permanent about it. We disappear into the ether. So, you know, it can yeah. be a job that doesn't... Well, we used to, but now there's things like BBC Sounds and people can pull up yes. clips and then replay it that, to you. That's very true. The iPlayer. That's very true. And, and social media. can comment, can't <laughs> yeah. they? And they can send round yeah. clips. All of that. Yeah. So but that's why Jane's I don't think anyone's... left, actually. She just... <laughs> <laughs> there were too many. I, I would love to think that someone will go back and listen to the many interviews I did over the years on the history of... Um, whatever it might be, the tablecloth or, or the, the armchair or how women invented planes or whatever it might I mean, it would be lovely, but um, I'm realistic about it. So, um, I, so I you know want to leave your mark, Jane? I'm guessing that you want to... I, darling, want I to leave, do. And Fee you want and to leave I something set, more permanent. Yes, and we, we've set our sights on the Nobel Prize for <laughs> Literature, which I think is entirely I reasonable. think you're doing yourself down. I think there'll be a special chlamydia archive dedicated entirely... <laughs> chlamydia archive. <laughs> I'll have a special place in the chlamydia archive. Below the naval (laughs) interviews. Are you, Fee, do you feel uh, any of those um, kind of longings for, well, stability in the one hand with Jane because she didn't like change, but she clearly did want to change. Um, Or are you much more um, flighty? (laughs) Yes, I can't hold down a job, Gabby. (laughs) So, uh, do you know what? I made my big change actually when my kids were tiny. So that was when I found that I couldn't uh, having quite a the juggle a was big job. Not enjoyable. Uh, it, it just didn't fit with uh, our family life at the time. I had my babies late in life too, and I threw all of the toys out of the pram. God, I mean, how old are my kids now? So about. 12, 13 years ago. Midlife has changed a bit. I think... Yeah, oh, well, that was that was yeah. the kind of... Uh, that is the crux of really every chat I'm having. I see that. And everybody's experiences and everybody's um, hopes and dreams from midpoint are so different. Very mm. few people are going, oh, yeah, this is it now. I've got it sorted. I'm but also, I don't know. think we're, we are, um, we're going to be a very, very reluctant generation to make that gear change into old. I think we're going to push that mm. that kind of barrier way way back you know I think we'll probably still be calling ourselves midlifers in our late 60s which to the previous generation would have yeah, definitely just, been old age I've seen it in the sporting world you know you look at managers who go into their 70s and like Sir Bobby Robson basically worked almost up to dying can I just say I do worry a bit about Roy Hodgson I've, I've seen him on the touchline <laughs> at, at games recently and um it's cold and you think oh come on Roy <laughs> surely when I was thinking about kind of older broadcasters because I you know I obviously talk up when I'm asked about this I talk up older women on telly because I want to be one so I so I go yes of course I'm going to be on telly in my 60s look at that and I and I was like who's the oldest and and on radio and well Nicholas Parsons uh, presented his last just a minute at 95 yes right we've got we've got years nothing to worry about Years. Together. That's why I had to stop Woman's Hour because I could have been the female equivalent of <laughs> Nicholas Parsons. Because they can't. De- the problem the BBC has got now, and it is a problem, is they can't actually get rid of older people. Full stop. So they, <laughs> so they have to do. It's a very, very tricky, tricky business. Um, gently ushering the older folk towards the door marked I know, exit. I'm, I'm wondering what they're going to say to me. But um, well. I'm, I'm, I'm listening for little kind of clues. I don't clues think you need to worry. It'll be fine. But <laughs> right. isn't the bigger question how long you want to carry on working for? So the 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 sense what do you, what would you call them? The hundred year olds in your family were they? I call them centurions, but that's wrong, isn't it? They're not centurions. <laughs> they are. Were, were they um, very compass mentors, right? To the end, okay. Yes, so you've they got were. They very were. good none role them... models then, because I have to confess, I'm quite f- yeah. None of them were in homes. Of they that losing my marbles, but I think the when morbidity and incontinence set in, I'm not sure that old age is such a. The BBC will want you. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, <laughs> yes, Gabby. Basically, I, I, I've. I, 
I posted an article on uh, on the Midpoint Facebook group the other day about exercise in midlife. I don't know what your exercise regimes are like, but um, if we exercise in midlife, we are um, it's scientifically proven now we are less likely to um, reach um, dementia up before we die. Because event- if we lived for 150, we'd eventually get dementia. That's a fact, apparently, because of the way yeah. our cells change, right? But you can kind of push it back through exercise because it's all to do with um, your um, vessels, your um, arteries and, you know, carrying your blood to the brain. So um, so exercise isn't just about yeah. vanity. It's well, really look, important look, for our brain health. How much exercise are you doing? there. Got so a he's bike. called oh, Lance. Yeah, and... Um, she I cheats do. on it actually don't you? I was say she bans him so I've really struggled during lockdown because my only exercise has been swimming but I used I mean I was properly hooked on swimming so I was swimming every day with one day off a week so I really 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 miss that um, yes are you an yeah. outdoor swimmer as well are you um, one of those so I've been swimmers? trying to get on the bike instead I just hate it Gabby I find it so boring mm. Well, that it is, is a bit boring. boring, isn't it? And just, just I was never, bike. I was never very sporty at school. I just didn't, you know, it just didn't do it for me. So, so I don't have that kind of love of exercise. Which, what about mixing it up with a little kind of twenty? Yes, I have tried all of those things. I mean, I do it because I know that I should do it, and I feel better afterwards. But, um, but there's no for me. There's no joy accompanied. So. Mm. Uh, you don't get the endorphins. Oh, no, I like no, I do no. get the endorphins and I like the feeling afterwards, but 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 I don't you know, I have to really make myself. Oh, you're not supposed to enjoy oh. it while you're doing it. Who told you that? <laughs> Basic. Oh. Jane, what do you do? Um, well, I, I'm glad you asked on Friday. Uh, so I do uh, Pilates um, on Zoom at nine o'clock um, with Neil, who is a very, very patient Pilates teacher. Just the two and, of you? Yes, he's, he's on Zoom with me on the mantelpiece. I'm on the carpet. <laughs> and Neil used to be, he used to be in the Royal Ballet. So he's got, he's a, he's sort of, um, he's very good at dealing with people like me who are, I was a Pilates refusenik and I was very reluctant, but then someone recommended it. And to my surprise, I... Love it would be an exaggeration, but I really know it's doing me good. And it's taught me some basic exercises. I get pain in the sort of small of my back, like a lot of people who are hunched and spend too much time on laptops. So he's been, he's revolutionized. He has a studio, which I normally go to, but can't go to at the moment. That's brilliant. And I love the reformer. I just really, really love it. Um, And I do walk. I walk and walk and walk. And this is partly because my mum is now nearly 87 and she always walks. She tries. She's got the Fitbit thing and she does. She tries really hard to do 6,000, 5,000 steps a day. That's great. And so and she is um, they are my dad as well. He's not actually as quite as fit as she is to his irritation, but they walk. They make a point of going out in the fresh air and walking every day and. I really do. I understand that quality of life in later life isn't a guarantee and you do have to work for it. And to be fair to my parents, they have worked and they continue to work. So I am I've sort of watched that and I think, okay, Mm. if I am going to be of use to my children, let's say, let's say they do have their own children at some point. um, I want to be helpful. I want to be, you know, well, on the off chance that they're in the same country as me um which that would be I suppose you can't you can't know that can you but I I so I want I want to live as healthy a life for as long as I can and you're right I'm afraid you do have to you have to work for that don't you yeah put the effort because in. we were always yeah. you know a generation well maybe 50 60 years ago we'd have just been more physical in our jobs wouldn't we and yeah, so we, we would have been yeah. more, and then we'd probably have died of like I don't know some kind of carbon monoxide poisoning from the pit or whatever um, we'd have died in childbirth you know, that's the thing. T- yeah I don't know why people aren't more grateful for the fact that on the whole although I know it does happen it's quite mercifully rare these days well I don't know what you're you you both look fit and well and you um obviously are are women who have uh, your at your fingertips th- and through your working life I'm sure been kind of fed all kinds of information about nutrition and I'm sure you've talked about lots on on Women's Hour over the years as well Jane about you know what we should be eating and what keeps us healthy I don't know how much research you've done into the midlife kind of nutrition have you done anything different so I've Um, I've changed what I eat quite a lot actually I found it very helpful um during the menopause to uh turn it all around a bit and uh, actually just eat a much more 
plant-based diet and actually really properly eat vitamins you know so instead of just <laughs> instead of just <laughs> thinking about what vitamins yes, are in the food yeah. you mean so yeah, you and think, you know kind yeah. of choosing mm. food according and of course it makes an enormous difference an enormous difference mm. so i love all of that type of stuff gabby absolutely love anything going to talk Should about I smoking talk about my smoking i smoked for years i mean properly smoked for years uh so now and now oh no i don't smoke at all anymore and i'm uh no. Oh, but I take, um, yeah, so I, I have a nicotine replacement therapy, which is a little lozenge thing. So I'm still on those, but I am well aware of the fact that, you know, 30 years of fags will catch up with me at some stage. So anything that I can do uh, will help. Well, we're, we're going to bring on um, Nicola Moore in a second, who's a nutritionist. But Jamie, just before we do, because mm. she's probably listening in, yeah. um, are you plant-based? Are you are you changing because well, of menopause? Um, no, I'm, I think, well, I'm 56 and I'm pretty sure I'm, well, I shouldn't say this, should I? I? I've got a few menopausal symptoms left, but not many. So I occasionally get awful, awful headaches. Um, and by occasionally, I probably mean about once every 10 days. I can just have right. this just god awful headache um and but that's i'm now that is my sole um symptom occasional poor sleep that's it no and joy. Di- what about your diet diet my children went vegetarian so they've sort of taken me with them um but i do i mean if if we're getting uh, friday night is delivery night so if we get burgers they might have the vegan option i'll, I'll have meat i i do occasionally it'd be interesting to see what nicola says about this i crave red meat occasionally i've got to mm. be honest so but i'm talking once a month yeah so I'm, the rest, I'm the same once a month i just yeah. need a really great steak and yeah. then and then a I'm nice done. bit of fillet and a bag of spinach gabby see i've got uh, a 15 year old boy here so okay uh, you need do you need red meat for that uh, well apparently he does yeah he does yeah, apparently he's, he's gonna that. leave home if i if i make him go vegan. Cruel, cruel um, <laughs> which is an incentive isn't it um let's bring in nicola moore uh who has been listening in to your dietary lifestyle changes things going on uh nicola are are Fee and Jane kind of on track, do you think, there? If Fee particularly obviously is going very plant-based. Does that help in the menopausal years? Well, I've only heard the very last bit just a moment ago. So um, I know that there's a big push to go vegan, but I don't know that it's right for everybody. I do some genetic testing with clients and actually some of us aren't set up that well to be able to utilise Things like beta carotene and turn it into vitamin A, for example, whereas if you eat meat, you can get the vitamin A a little bit easier. So there's there's certain things that can be an issue for some people, but I am a really big fan of vegetables. I think vegetables um, kind of take away all of the all of the problems with the other things. What are the top three vegetables for menopausal women? (laughs) Chips. (laughs) Well, Chips. Did I you would say, say chips, um, hopefully, chips. <laughs> well, hey, I oh, think they're... potatoes are fine. I think potatoes are okay. It's about the balance of how you eat it. Because when we transition through the menopause, if I just cover this quickly, I suppose, thinking about the chips thing, as our estrogen levels start to decline, our response to the other another hormone called insulin changes slightly. And insulin, one of its role is to help us store fat. So. Whereas estrogen levels decline, that's why we might see weight gain, uh, especially around the middle. And that's not so good for long term health outcomes. So managing to a certain extent the amount of carbohydrates you eat for some women can be extremely helpful. Um, But so that means, you know, have potatoes. But I would say, you know, watch the number that you have and make sure you have protein with it. That can really, really help. So have that. the chips, but have the fish, um, Jane. So, I think that's what Nicola's okay. saying. That's fine. Ha- have have a, have a steak and chips with a lovely <laughs> okay. great big salad that's, on that the my, side. I, I think that, that is that's, my perfect that's, meal, I, I would say. That's, that's, is that your death row meal? <laughs> yes, I think it might be with a knickerbocker glory afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, but the, the favourite vegetables, I suppose... Um, cruciferous vegetables are great so those are things like broccoli cabbage kale all of those those vegetables contain these wonderful plant chemicals called indole 3 carbonyls that really help us to manage our hormone levels and 
perimenopausally we've got sort of upshoots in estrogen and maybe dips down so we're going a bit like this for a while and that can be a bit of a, a problem so using those vegetables at that point can help to counteract some of the issues um, and then postmenopausally, they actually work as phytoestrogen. So they've got other chemicals in them that almost mimic the, the way that estrogen works in the body, but a very in a very, very subtle way. So if we are um, sort of lacking in estrogen, these plant chemicals can have a similar response to a cell in the same so way. So how many portions a week? So are it you can saying, be really, really useful. Like or a well, day. <laughs> I think, it, well, again, I'd say it depends on individuality. For, for me, so I'm 45, I'm sort of in the perimenopause at the moment. I know I am, things are changing with my hormones and I know that I have history of hormonal issues. So I would eat those sorts of things every week. So I would have them on my shopping list and maybe three times a week I would be having broccoli. Um, but most days, to be honest, I'm mm. eating something green and a lot of the cruciferous vegetables are green. So that's Which protein in particular? I, I, I love fish. So I, I, I'll have salmon salmon twice a week. I might have tuna, a bit of swordfish, a bit of cod. Um, yeah. that, are there any fishes that aren't good? You know, because then you hear like, apparently Victoria Beckham was full of magnesium because she ate tuna every day. So um, Mer- mercury, 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 magnesium's good. Magnesium's mercury. Good. Mercury. mercury, yeah, sorry, mercury. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, oh God, it's such a, it's so difficult, isn't it? Because everything, you read something and everything's got a plus mm. and then it seems to have a minus attached to it as well. I think it's about balance with everything. So I think having fish a few times a week is great. I think having meat, if you like meat or animal-based foods, can give you a very good, easy access protein source. The same with fish. But vegetarian and vegan sources of protein are also really useful. So for, for a vegan perspective, say for, for you, Fee, you want to look at having a, a mixing your proteins in a slightly different way. So you're going to find protein in things like things like tofu and quinoa. Have you eat, do you uh, like quinoa and stuff I'm, like that? I can do quinoa. I, I can do it. But tofu, yeah. I could eat that all day, every day, in every single shape oh, or form. Happy to do it. that. Okay, mm. so... Yeah, so that that's a really good source. That's got like the, we call that a good source of complete protein. So you have these little amino acids, which proteins are made of, and you need to get nine of them um, in through your diet. They're called essential, which means we can't make them. We can make other amino acids from other foods. So tofu actually contains these nice nine amino acids, as does quinoa. And I would do things like just buy it pre-cooked in a little pouch to make it easier and you know just use a little bit and you can Nicola can you OD on tofu because I was worried I'd had it about four days running and I thought is it is there a point where you you know you start that would be the most middle class way to die (laughs) (laughs) daily mail would have a field day with that Gabby don't let it happen (laughs) can you talk to me about yams yams what the animal yams not lambs (laughs) Do you just want? Do you just want somebody to talk to you about small baby animals, Fee? It's the wrong podcast. That's another podcast. (laughs) No, because yams seem to be quoted um, as being some kind of a almost miraculous superfood with regards to the menopause, and and I think I've even read somewhere that uh, that some of the phytoestrogen kind of uh, hormone replacement therapy is entirely yam based. I'm not sure I've ever even met a yam. But should uh, should we all be a bit over familiar with them? By the why are they not selling yams in more uh, popular supermarkets? Why aren't they in M and S, Gabby? Why why isn't there a yam section? (laughs) Should Fee be investing in yams? This is what she's asking. (laughs) They they they're not something that nutritionally have cropped up for me over and over again. Actually, it must be phytoestrogen. Compound. Maybe it's really easy to access compared to other vegetables and fruits or something. I don't know. Nicola, would you do that for us? Would you look into that for us? I won't sleep until I find out whether (laughs) yams are the root of everything good. I'd say I think you're all right with any kind of. You can get your hand on some yams, Fee. And there's a. Yeah, and having a regular. Oh, bowel listen, you can't we can't beat a regular bowel. I mean, actually, that's a real. I'm glad you said it because we don't. We probably need to acknowledge how important that is, don't we? Um, don't value it. Enough. Yeah, it's. I mean, we're 
we're eliminating you know that is we're eliminating um when we when we produce hormones a certain certain number of hormones are metabolized in our liver and sort of shuffled into our gallbladder and squirted out into our intestines to be eliminated when we go to the loo so having having a regular bowel movement is something um that we should all be working on as our as our major first point of being is it, healthy, is it a I sign of good health i mean it, okay oh, well i yeah i i think it is i mean the other thing is is that everyone oh, has sure, different yeah. bowel move i've spoken to hundreds of people about their bowel movements over the years and some people have gut, really regular daily brain, bowel movements Jane, and other so people don't the gut knows, yeah. doesn't it? The gut have knows. you uh, there's that great book called gut um which yes. i recommend it's a brilliant book isn't yes. it yeah yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry, everybody's nodding enthusiastically, except Fee, who clearly hasn't read. <laughs> well, that's because I don't have a first brain. I feel like, so I feel like <laughs> it's been hard for me. <laughs> I feel like Fee wants to, wants to share on the gut, but she's just holding back at the yeah, moment. Maybe it's let's leave it that time. way. Yeah. <laughs> Nicola, thank you so much. And uh, thank there's you. so much thank to take you. away from that. Really, really brilliant advice. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Thank Bye. you very much. Bye. Um, I think vegetables, ladies, that's it, isn't it? Lots yeah. of vegetables, Fee and Jane. It's, and um, green vegetables. It's, I've got such a massive addiction to carbohydrate, though. I know I have. So I start every day with what I think is officially the world's worst breakfast, which is a, a toasted white bagel with <laughs> butter and manuka honey. But I'm, I shouldn't say this. That will send your blood sugar levels going like this. But I'm that's almost never ill. Hi. Um, yeah. I I I know I'm, yeah I'm a very moderate drinker don't smoke um so in the, you've got the balance in the other areas of your life I think that's exactly think what so. it's all about isn't it I guess so but you, also I think because uh, I've uh, well, not just because I've got uh, daughters but I think it's so important to as a parent of either either biological sex just to enjoy your food and to be seen to be enjoying mm. it do you know, I've got a 15-year-old son as well, Gabby, and uh, he's doing food and nutrition for GCSE, which is the most brilliant subject. And the curriculum that they cover in that, uh, I think, uh, is... I mean, I wish it was a, a compulsory GCSE, actually, because he's learned all about those connections between food and good health and the stuff that he knows already about what should be on a plate and also then... You know, there's a lot of practical mm. involved in it too. So he's actually really happy in the kitchen. You know, it's favourite room in the house for every single reason, that it's good fun to cook, it's good fun to eat, you know, sociable place as well. And I just can't thank the education system enough for having something uh, mm. so delightfully well thought through, actually. Um, you know, so if they learn those yeah. lessons and make those connections at an early age... you. You just think they stand themselves in such good stead. Imagine if yeah. all kids did that. How much healthier we'd be as a nation if all kids had that. Yeah, and it's a proper understanding of why out. you're eating and mm. what it will do to you when you do eat. It's just absolutely brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And I love the fact that it's as available to boys as it is to girls, with no kind of gender weirdness going on. Mm. There was one area that I really wanted to discuss with both of you because you're such phenomenal journalists and from such serious broadcasting um, background, both of you, that um, Piers Morgan was on this podcast. And um, in the last week, um, Matthew Syed wrote a piece about his style of journalism. He wasn't very complimentary about it, Matthew Syed, you know, saying how um, how very much in the kind of American playbook. He's, you know, he's very divisive and um, obviously populist as well in in and has become popular and will tell us every day how the figures have grown on GMB. Um, is old-fashioned proper journalism dying? Is it is that style that he um, manifests, <laughs> is that going to become the norm, do you think? Are we going to follow kind of a more American model? Gosh, that's a whopper, isn't it? Oh dear! Can't we just talk about the menopause instead? Um, <laughs> but you're, I, mean, I need your wisdom. You're on here for wisdom, okay, Jane, no, no. as well. well that's it. First of all, I um, uh, gosh, that. So I've got to be. I've got to own the fact that I enjoy sometimes listening to opinionated people talking. So I might, for example, really enjoy Nick Ferrari on the LBC Breakfast Show. No, I, I think he's a great broadcaster and I sometimes prof profoundly disagree with something he said, but I enjoy the way he says it. 
So what does that make me? Whereas I will listen to Five Live Breakfast because I love Nikki and I love Rachel. Um, and of course, they've got to do the whole BBC balance thing and they are funny as well and they're really good at what they do. But sometimes, you know, it's not enough and I do want to be irritated. So I'll turn on to something else like Nick Ferrari. Um, Piers Morgan takes it to a whole other level and at the moment is appears to be getting away with completely reinventing himself as a voice of... Um, the people. Uh, yeah, well, you know, a voice of reason and, and the hero of, uh, of, you know, let's attack the government and, yes, let's let's make, make clear that not everything has gone brilliantly well in Britain over the last year. I get that. Um, wh- why is it OK for him to totally change? I mean, it wasn't that long ago. He was a big, fr- big fan of and big friend of Donald Trump's. He did it, say on this podcast that he regretted... Um, okay, not well, distrusting him sooner. He, he, yeah, um, yeah. Well, why are they, why, why are men allowed to be so inconsistent? Um, I think we, we cut them too much slack in that area and it, 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 it annoys me a lot. Um, but he does, but the thing is you can't, what we can't deny Jane is mm. that he has got a base, hasn't he? There's a, there's a, people do. Well, yeah. Well, people, I, that's why I was saying I enjoy, sometimes I enjoy being mm. irritated by people with whom I profoundly disagree. Um, and and he is very successful at what he does. Of course, Fee and I need to, well, we all need to say that the BBC Breakfast audience is considerably bigger than the mm. audience of Good Morning Britain. We also should say that Susanna Reid is a friend of ours. <laughs> <laughs> we don't send her our deepest sympathies on a daily um, basis. So I think it's... <laughs> but what, so what do you, what uh, do you think, Fee? I think it's such an interesting question, and I'm not sure that what the three of us would consider to be kind of old school journalism will ever come back because I think once you have uh, drunk from the fountain of really high octane first person experience polemic, it is hard to go back from that. I think we've been taken to such a higher level of kind of intrigue and excitement and uh, very addictive volatility in journalism. And I think it will be very difficult to come back to a time when you read an article or you watch a piece or you listen to a piece that has that careful formation of both sides of an argument with a very considered conclusion. Mm. I think people have just become overstimulated and need to be overstimulated now by journalism. I can't see it coming back. Nuance yeah, is I dead. think it is. And it'll... <laughs> well, nuance is a hard sell, isn't it? it yeah, is, but it's, it's a just hard about, sell. It is just mm. about the volume level. You know, it's just really, really high now. And I can't mm. see the... I can't see where you would find the market for that kind of turned-down version. Isn't it like everything, though? That there's, it swings, the kind of, the, you know, the pendulum of kind of what people need and want. That, that moves depending on what's going on in the rest of society. And maybe this, that suits what's happening right now. Well, what do you think our children will want from the media 30-second bulletins. Yeah, yeah, well, or maybe less. Um, and also, uh, the BBC does do balance. I mean, I, we all obviously work for it. Um, but it's always accused of not doing balance from people who mm. don't hear on the BBC what they what believe. They want to hear. Yeah, exactly. Mm. So we, uh, Woman's Hour was one of the reasons I'm glad to have left it behind in some ways, is that you could never do it right. You can't please, um, you can't in, in anything, Jane, though, no, whether, well, whether you're presenting Match of the Day or yeah, Woman's well. Hour. Hour, you'll yeah. never, you know, and I think, isn't that one of the joys of getting older, though, that we, we, oh, I don't know where I feel like, you know what, I, I did my best there, guys. Sorry, I didn't get your offside incident talked about at 10.45 on BBC One. I'm sorry I didn't get, sorry you didn't get your goals away before 11. What but that's, you know, we're doing VAR our best. What about though, oh, God, Gabby? Destroying <laughs> the you know game. What, just as a final thought, Gabby, the sporting analogy is probably a really good one for journalism because there's an enormous difference between watching a football match now at a very, very high level in 2020 and maybe going back and watching some old matches from, let's, pick a random year, 1954. Mm. Our kids find the 1954 football a bit boring to watch. It's just not as paced. It's mm. It doesn't have such kind of flamboyance. It is actually, I mean, it is run at a completely different speed, isn't it? So... How much 1954 football have you been watching? I'm a bit worried about you. You know the days are long, love. It's just, you know, it's a more kind of lolloping game to watch. And I don't, I just don't think our kids... Uh, will uh, go back to 
a kind of a, a more considered lolloping form of journalism. I don't think it will appeal to them at all. Nick Bryant, the New York correspondent, said something fantastic about the arrival of President Joe Biden. He said that actually quite a lot of Americans may well want a president who's in the background of their lives because they've had such an enormous you know, mm -hmm. volatility presented to mm. them. And on the one hand, I'd really, really like to believe that to be the case. But I think the problem is someone else steps into the void left by the great big fiery person because there is still an audience that wants that. Mm. Guys, it's been so, so lovely to um, have your wisdom, your um, presence and um, intellect on this podcast. And um, and also it's the first time we've done two at once. I've you know, enjoyed having both your brains to pick and, and see whether or not midlife is, is indeed one of the happiest oh, I, think I think it's it gorgeous is, it? It, is, it is it's got a lot to be said for happy, it it has got a lot to be said for it yeah uh, thank you so much pleasure Gabby thank you. take care Gabby take care bye bye thank, thank you. you bye bye I loved chatting to Jane and Fee. They raised so many interesting issues. Jane's fear of change is something which I think a lot of us feel when we're considering big life and career leaps around this time. Do we just stick with what we know or do we just go ahead and do it? And as she said, you know, the world keeps turning. Fee's approach to food and exercise as well, I think, makes really good sense. Thinking about the nutrition that's in her food is something I think we all need to try and adopt and being a bit more mindful about that which, as Nicola explained, it's all down to a good balanced diet, isn't it? It always is. Uh, sometimes, though, it's not always possible, and you do need to fill the gaps. If you do, Solgar is a good place to head to. Their website, solgar.co.uk, has over 300 different vitamins and minerals for you to choose from. I also have a little discount code for you, the midpoint 20. When you go there, you get 20% off any of their range. So have a little look, check that out, and get 20% off their ranges. Thank you so much, then, to Solgar, to Jane and Fee, of course, and to Nicola as well for her great advice and to you for listening and if you've got anything you want to share pertaining to midlife or the midpoint go to the midpoint facebook group or you could head to my instagram ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.